Hey guys, welcome back to the show. My name is Lauren and this is my producer Liam. Hello. A big thank you to everyone watching and or listening to us right now and a big thank you especially to anyone who is here live. If you would like to support the show, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, drop us a rating if you're listening on iTunes or uh, Google Play doesn't have ratings, does it? Uh, I couldn't tell you, Okay. Omni, so Omni does. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. Rate us wherever possible, unless it's a bad rating, in which case don't waste don't waste your time. No one reads the ratings anyway. You can just ignore that. And uh, actually be especially sure to share this if you like it. We'll get we to why more more. Yeah, yeah. in just a few minutes. And uh, if you would like to support the show, you can also head over to blazetv.com forward slash Lauren and sign up for a subscription. If you use the code Lauren, you will sa save money on your annual subscription. That's a huge huge way to help out the show make sure we keep the lights on here we really appreciate it mm -hmm. and if you're watching live you can also send us a super chat um we don't do them during the show but uh, around after an hour we will go through all of them answer any questions that you have and it's a cool way to help out the show if you're watching live uh, but today a lot in the news uh, we're going to start off talking about google and the project veritas video that was recent released then we have teen vogue is up to more craziness um aoc and the democrats doubled down on immigration and then and finally, we're going to finish the night off with some Kim K cultural appropriation. So we got a nice mix of a serious, lighthearted, serious mm -hmm. and lighthearted. Um, okay, so the Goog. For years on this show, it's been years we've been talking about big tech censorship, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I it's, feel like a broken record at this point. It's becoming more and more of a prominent issue now, though, I would say. Yeah, it, it's definitely being ramped up. But it's it's a, an issue. If you watch this channel regularly, you will probably be well aware of. Um, we've been talking about it for a while. And for months and months, we've been talking about specifically Google and YouTube censorship. Right. Right. Um, you know, in January... This is old news. If you've been watching us, YouTube announced they were going to stop the spread. Though That was the phrase that they used of borderline content. They announced that. And they mentioned they were going to limit the visibility of certain videos in things like searches and suggestions. Um, so they, they said this. This is not conspiracy or whatever. They released a blog post saying exactly this. And in January, channels like ours got put into what I what I call kind of YouTube purgatory, hmm. right? We, we weren't showing up in suggested videos or search results. And upon analyzing our channel's data, turns out uh, I'm pretty sure that they were test piloting this whole system for like six months before they actually announced it. It was like a kind of a gradual throttle. Right. Um, starting in July of 2018, our recommends went down from what they had been for like a year previously, 30 to 35 to 40% consistently, uh, you know, down to 25, big jump, then another big jump down to 15. And then finally, after, after January and February, um, now they're at like 10% is, is where we are at. And I've spoken to other YouTube commentators. Um, they've experienced similar things. Now, I've talked about this on the show. And I, I don't want to sound too smug in this segment. That's what I was like kind of telling you. Yeah. I don't want to be but smug But I think people like, like smug a bit too. Yeah. So. Like I, I don't want to say I told you so. But at the same time, I, I, did, I did tell you. Um, you know, when we talk about things like big tech censorship, I feel like online especially probably among people who are subscribed to us um like we know it's happening but then if you kind of go to a general audience maybe your average person on the street this does sound like conspiracy theory territory yeah yeah it does and i, I didn't even know that at first because it just seems so evident it's so to evident me, but right it, yeah but it does sound like a conspiracy theory that google is censoring one side of the political spectrum mm -hmm. and i i would get comments like this from people who are, would say like Oh, yeah, as if, like, big tech is censoring conservatives. Like, where is your proof? And I'd be like, "Are you, where have you been? But anyway, um, Project Veritas is out with a new video. It was released, I think, Monday. Uh, this time, they go after Google. Last one they did uh, was, was it Pinterest? Um, mm -hmm. Detailing them going after organizations like Life Action. And now we have uh, one of the Google executives discussing their efforts to make sure that I think her exact phrase was that the Trump situation doesn't happen again. We have a clip of that. Screwed over in 2016. Again, it was is the head of responsible innovation at Google Global Affairs. She determines policy and ethics for machine learning or artificial intelligence. AI principles because people were not putting that line in the sand. They were not saying what is fair 
Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to say I told you so, but I did tell you so. Uh, for months now, I've been poring over our own data, talking to other creators, and we've known for a while that Google, YouTube, they've been trying to suppress conservative content. Um, you know, this is what our data tells us. This is what their own policies explicitly say. They called it borderline content. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in, in their post Just talking about vague, it. Yeah, right? purposely vague. They, they mentioned things like conspiracy theories and like 9-11 truthers and stuff. But I think we all knew that they weren't going to stop there. Um, so now we have just like it's the final nail in the coffin of Google's credibility. Yeah, so... Google is an insidious corporation, all right? And it's using its massive influence to alter the outcomes of political elections. That is not okay. Um, Google is willing to manipulate the information you're exposed to in order to control your behavior. Like that's that's why they're doing what they're doing. They think, and I think it's a pretty good assumption that if they can control what kind of news you're fed, the narrative that you're you're seeing, it will influence your vote, which I mean. Yeah, I totally believe. I, and I think I the data backs it, it up. Too. Yeah, the data would absolutely back that up. If you are a voter and all you see is that Trump is like, I don't know, torturing migrants, um, sexually molesting women. Concentration camps. Yeah, concentration camps. Um, he's a super racist. Uh, talking about um, white nationalists as if they're good people. Or yeah, whatever, calling white nationalists good people. Like right. if all you see from you know sun up to sun down is stories like that, then of course you're not going to vote for Trump. He's an awful person. Why? Why would you? Um, so I mean, it's pretty smart of them to to use their massive control in this way. Um, it is totalitarianism, though. It is you know this is not democratic. Um, if, if you're someone who speaks out against this. Not, like not just the censoring, but Google itself, they will punish you as Project Veritas has now seen. Their video um, exposing this, it got taken down for, I think, a privacy complaint, which is ridiculous because I think, uh, I forget what channel it was, went into this. California is a uh, one-party okay. consent that's what place. I was wondering. Yeah, mm. so, I mean, he was in the clear there. I think this was recorded, that footage was recorded in San Francisco. So, I mean, legally they've done nothing wrong, but still uh, YouTube has pulled that video down. And I think on Reddit, people are reporting that any attempt to link to the video on things like BitChute, those posts are also getting flagged. Mm. So- Which to mention Reddit, also we had oh, yeah. Arthur Donald being- Has now been quarantined. Yeah. Um, the official response Reddit has given is that there were too many threats or something being posted. The the mods are denying that, saying they take anything down that comes their way. But a lot of people do think that it's actually because the Donald was drawing attention to the Project Veritas thing. So I don't know, any like benefit of the doubt that I was once willing to give big tech is totally gone, Com completely gone. I do not trust these people at all. You, you shouldn't either. And it's terrifying because they're getting involved now in real world things, right? Yeah. There's a project in Toronto, for example, where they've been giving a small section of the city to try to um, make it the perfect city. So mm -hmm. they have cameras up all over the place and they're going to try to design it in their own way. And then they hope to monetize off of things like public transport. So it's, it's dystopian. It's literally a, it's, it's, it's like a, a corporate run yeah. town. Right. Yeah. So uh, they're starting to... Uh, get in on the real world yeah. too, not just the tech world where they own already. Yeah. So this is the thing. If you think this whole issue with trying to tackle the monopoly that is big tech is simply about, oh, this one YouTube channel isn't getting views anymore. You're not paying attention if you think that's what it is, because we are way past that point. We're talking about real, real world um, consequences here. I mean, for example, you can't honestly claim that Russians buying a few Facebook ads is election meddling, but then say that Google and Facebook themselves completely almost cleansing their platforms of any overt support for Donald Trump or anything positive about him is not election meddling. Like you can't have it both ways. And I, I think I was reading that it, according to campaign finance laws, if you buy ads for your campaign on something like YouTube or Facebook, you have to declare that per campaign finance laws. So, I mean, obviously... We know that 
what's going on in social media affects elections. So you can't have these laws both ways sort of things. Like you're, you're restricted as, as to what you can do on social media as an individual, but these social media platforms themselves, they can do whatever they want. Uh-uh. Shouldn't work like that. Uh, regarding Project Veritas's video specifically, though, the the woman who was featured in it, Jen Janai. That's what I would say, Jen Janai. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I think you mentioned that she's kind of deleted her social media presence almost. Yeah, her Twitter is gone and as well as her LinkedIn, I noticed. Uh, and she was accusing Project Veritas of doxing her. Mm. But I don't think anybody was able to find anything other than her Twitter and her LinkedIn, which you could just search Google for. You know, yeah. she wasn't really doxxed. Like, this is her address and this is her phone number. So I think that's a little bit fake as well. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so after this was released, she went to Medium and she actually wrote a post that we have here we can bring up. Um, it's, it's, it's a response to the video after it was posted and it's entitled, This is not how I expected Monday to go. I imagine that would be quite the shocking Monday. Okay, so it, it, it's... Like a three-minute read, we have a little excerpt from it here. She says, Project Veritas has edited the video to make it seem that I am a powerful executive who was confirming that Google is working to alter the 2020 election. I mean, for anyone who's seen the video, yes, it does seem like you were saying that exactly. Mm. Uh, On both counts, this is absolute unadulterated nonsense, of course. In a casual restaurant setting, I was explaining how Google's trust and safety team, a team I used to work on, is working to help prevent the types of online foreign interference that happened in 2016. Google has been very public about the work that our teams have done since 2016 on this, so it's hardly a revelation. The video then goes on to stitch together a series of debunked conspiracy theories about our search results and our other products. Google has repeatedly been clear that it works to be a trustworthy source of information without regard to political viewpoint. In fact, Google has no notion of political ideology in its rankings, and everything I have seen backs this up. Our CEO has said we do not bias our products to favor any political agenda. He's somewhat more powerful and authoritative than me. Um, and then the rest is that her just kind of saying, no, no, none of this is true. Um, so she's claiming she got taken out of context and that there's no political bias at Google. Um, well, Google said there's no political bias as well as the CEO. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they say it's so obviously. So debunked. Um, <laughs> the thing about people who say, and I've encountered this in like my response videos too, they'll say, oh, you, you took me out of context. The thing with taking someone out of context is that it's relevant to bring up if the context that you said it in actually changes the meaning, mm-hmm. right? So if I say, um, yeah, the other day I was on a bus and I saw some guy yelling, I hate dogs. And then you just clip me saying, I hate dogs. Well, obviously the context was that I was quoting someone. So it's not me that was saying, I don't know. I can't fathom what particular context she could have been saying the things that she was saying on that video mm-hmm. that would change her meaning. Yeah, I will say that is one thing that I kind of am concerned about, which is that a criticism I've heard about Project Veritas in the past that they don't release the uh, full tapes. like the full tapes, right? And that's and I understand why they can't always do that because I think they're not trying to compromise identities of the people filming and what have you. Yeah, because they but, do send their own operatives and stuff, yeah. So I understand why, but it would be nice to see. You could still have a doctored footage, like in terms of blurring and mm-hmm. things like that, or voice masking, but uncut would be great. You know, because then you could really have, you could say, okay, 100%, there's no yeah, bias but here. I, I would agree. And I, as always, more information is always better. Right. Right. Um, barring things like doxing and privacy. But for, for her particular case, I would have loved to, to have her explain when she was talking about different conceptions of fairness. Yes. And yeah. Trump supporters. Or the not Trump ad- situation. Yeah. The Trump situation. Like, what particularly were you trying to say there? Okay. If he, if he mis- misrepresented you, they took you out of context. What was... The proper context then because it seems pretty clear like you're saying one thing especially um they have in in that same video they also have another person who i think is a, a programmer um they have footage from him talking about the same issue like this whole concept of fairness and algorithmic fairness which is such a strange term i'd never heard it before um and you know in addition they also have the the whistleblower who they interview that i mean that's hard to verify the veracity of yeah um i I tend to trust project veritas but i understand if on that one issue you're a little bit more skeptical because it's like you don't you can't see their face and everything like that. well i think it's always helped healthy to be skeptical right right? i I don't think that that's a problem and Mm -hmm. that's just the way that i approach it because what they were saying was basically confirming my preconceived notions yeah so i like hearing that stuff you know well for me it's just like 
I'm of course I'm right. So I, I expected that. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I've shared this on social media. Um, it's it's not on YouTube anymore, but it is on places like BitChute. If you go to Project Veritas's website, you can still find it. Uh, I encourage people to share this so people see it. It's frustrating to me because when it was still on YouTube, I was sharing it. And I, I had people saying like, oh, Project Veritas fake news. And it's like, are you not even going to watch it? It's like, I mean, I understand you should, we should all be skeptical of, of the things we see, but you're not even going to watch it. You're just going to dismiss it. Um, I also had someone saying, oh, well, Project Veritas is a biased source. Like, are there any nonpartisan um, organizations that are talking about this? It's like, what, what nonpartisan organization would you be happy with? CNN? Well, they're not nonpartisan. They're not going to talk about this. New York Times, they're not going to talk about this. So it's like, they've got a really good racket going on there. It's like where they control what is and is not news simply by whether they want to talk about it right gosh it's, it's really frustrating it's like um, the trust and safety team exactly you know, that kind of irony exactly it's frustrating trying to get these people who are still under the impression that the media is the gatekeepers of, of truth and honesty to kind of see the corruption that's going on here um so you know as convincing as jen denies i don't know refutations of what she's saying on video are, um, there was also another leaked document that Project Veritas put out around the same time that shows Google employees referring to, uh, you know, PragerU, Ben Shapiro, uh, I think Jordan Peterson as Nazis. Okay, we have, it's a little bit hard to see the way that it was screenshotted, but we have the text here. It says, today it is often one or two steps to Nazis. If we understand that PragerU, Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro and company are Nazis using the dog whistles you mentioned in step one. I can receive these recommendations regardless of the content of what I'm looking at, and I have recorded thousands of internet users sharing the same experience. I don't think correctly identifying far-right content is beyond our capabilities, but if it is, why not go with Meredith's suggestion of disabling the suggestions feature? This could be a significant step in terms of user trust. Okay, so it's it's not looking really good no. for Google. And any, like, oh no, we don't, political bias? Nah, nah. That's one of the things, even if it's the official company policy, we don't have political bias. And even if the CEO willed it to be for real, it doesn't matter if your employees are acting differently, the ones yeah. who actually acted out, right? Yeah. And I've also heard something that, that has troubled me lately when I heard, I think it was David Pakman speaking about this kind of thing. And he said, well, Google isn't really a left-wing company. It's like, sure, they support certain left-wing social stuff. But look at them. They behave fiscally right-wing. They, 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 still, they still don't want to like, be taxed and regulated. Right. They don't, don't want to be taxed and regulated. So they, they're not left-wing in that case. And, and to that, I think, I think it's a ridiculous argument. They're only right-wing, fiscally right-wing in the sense that it's a means to an end for them to gain more power and influence to implement their worldview. Mm -hmm. That's it. It's just, it's just a means to an end. They are, yeah. in essence, a left-wing company. And what I've been thinking about, because um, you know, over the past few months, we do have a contact at Google uh, at YouTube that we were working on our channel with um, from sort of like July to December-ish, um, working on trying to improve our analytics. And in February, when everything kind of like went downhill and I reached out to her, um, and this was when I was starting to suspect that we weren't being shown in rec recommends or searches, I, I did mention like, hey, you know, based on this data that I have, this seems questionable. What do you think? And, you know, she got back to me saying, oh, no, we, we, we don't do that. I'll, I'll look into your numbers, but I'm sure this is just, you know, nothing. We can work on maybe improving your thumbnails or, or that kind of thing. Um, I, I don't know if like, does was she lying to me? Did she know that our channel had been like blacklisted and she just wanted to put me off on some wild goose chase? I suspect chase she has no idea. Yeah. Frankly. I mean, uh, I, I, really I don't. don't know. Like, I, I doubt that Google, which I do think is like pretty evil, frankly, at this point, you know, as soon as you're like the lowest member of the company, okay, by the way, we're screwing over all the conservatives. Like, I don't think everybody is in on it. I mean, but that kind of interaction, like, I don't know who to trust in that sense. And it's such a weird feeling because it's like... They have been. They've been screwing all of us over. And what's even more frustrating than that is that they've been kind of lying about it in a way. They did t say they were going to stop the spread of borderline content, but they weren't saying like, hey, by the way, um, Dave Cullen, Styx, uh, Lauren, all your channels are going to kind of go into the YouTube purgatory. So it's it's really frustrating as, as a content creator. So basically, here's what's happening now um, on YouTube. Uh, if you're a conservative, and I think to a lesser extent, if you're just independent media, um, you won't appear much in recommended videos. So that's like on the sidebar when you're watching a video, also on the homepage. And you're 
you're also not going to appear much in search results. So mm -hmm. the proportion of views that we used to get from recommended videos, that right now it's like 15% of what it used to be. And we have the data to back this up. And uh, same thing with search results. Like we now pay for a program that's specifically meant to optimize our search results, you know, right. make, sure, make sure that the tags, the keywords, descriptions, everything is like as friendly to search databases as possible. But that has done absolutely nothing. And in fact, we've tested videos putting out no metadata in them. Exactly. And, and they do just they as do well. Just as well. Yeah. Um, for a while in February, it looked like we were still getting, still showing up in Google's overall search results. Uh, but then I think they fixed that kink. So now it doesn't, um, which by the way, what we mentioned before, if you like our videos or any other commentators, the best thing you can do to help out is to share our videos on, you know, your social media platforms, email them to people. I, I can see f um, where people are coming to our videos from. Sometimes like our videos just get emailed around and, and that is a huge help. Anything you can do for that is is great for us because, you know, if, if you're watching someone like Steven Crowder or, uh, you know, Tim Pool even, the, the truth is that YouTube isn't going to be like surfacing up their videos. So it's really up to you, the viewers, to if you like the content, get out and share it. Um, and something that Tim Pool mentions is that it's not a right to be recommended by YouTube uh, to have your video shown up in search results or whatever. It's it's not a right. I get what he's saying, right? Because mm. it's not it's not a straight out censor almost because they're not taking your your content down. But think of it this way: if YouTube is curating what content it shows its users based on an ideological bias, that is content curation. That is not what a platform does, right? Yeah. You can say they can do it and you don't have a or whatever. That's fine. You're right. But if if YouTube continues to do this, there's no way they can claim that they are a platform. You are acting as a publisher. You are curating content for your viewers based on very specific, um, I would say, subjective metrics. So, yeah, no, this does still still matter. And it, it, it does matter for conservatives. I've seen. Um, I think it'll it's, probably matter in 2020 more than ever has before. That's exactly why it matters. Tim Pool has brought this up. Like, that's the question of like, OK, what now? Um, there was a hearing today, Dan Crenshaw. There was like a viral, viral clip of him uh, questioning this Google employee about the whole email referring to Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro and PragerU as Nazis. Um, the information is out there now. There's, there's enough proof. If Republicans don't do anything about this before 2020, they deserve to lose. Like if, if we know for a fact that big tech is targeting like your supporters, conservative voices and commentators, and you don't do anything about it, then yeah, you, you deserve to lose because you're, you're clearly, I don't know, too weak willed, naive. I don't know what it is to take action. Um, I hope that's not the case. Uh, Trump also in a in a statement today mentioned things like suing Google and YouTube. I'm not quite sure what the the action would be there. Um, it needs to be something though. I mean, I'm I'm for all of the options that have been like thrown out at this point. Um, you know, breaking them up, um, making them choose between being platform and publisher, whatever it is. And again, this isn't about just YouTube videos. It's about being able to have these ideas online. Like you. You can't hope to win elections in the future if you can't even voice your ideas on a social media platform because yeah. it's just not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, this was, I mean, almost cathartic for, I think, a lot of people who knew this was happening, but were lacking enough proof. Um, I'm just kind of waiting to see what the next step is because it's like they're going to deny it. Of course they are, but something needs to be done. Um, OK, so moving on, Teen Vogue. We did a video. A little bit lighter. A little bit lighter. Well, well I don't actually, know. Actually, pretty dark in <laughs> yeah, its own way. Dark. Yeah, and I also, This also makes me angry. Like, yeah. every story today is just my, my blood pressure is going to be rising through the roof. Teen Vogue. We did a video about it a few weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, right. about the craziness that they have for a teen magazine. And since then, anytime Teen Vogue releases a crazy article, you guys tag me in it on social media. Um, turns out Teen Vogue releases a lot of crazy articles. So today we're just going to be going through some of the latest ones. Um, some of this the gems, which was funny. I was reading these articles like without really looking as I was going through the inserts. And I was like, these are remarkably stupid. But then I realized it's Teen Vogue and it's targeted towards teenage girls. Yeah. And that makes it so much worse. Hey, that's what I'm saying. Like, know? this isn't just like we're laughing at Slate right. or Vox or like Jezebel or whatever. This is targeted toward teenage girls, which just makes it all so much worse. Um, okay, so one of the most confusing ones 
was uh, this one here. Who is Karl Marx? Meet the anti-capitalist scholar. Uh, this one teacher says, when I teach Marx, it's got a lot to do with questions of how to think critically about history. Marx says we live under capitalism, but capitalism has not always existed. This certain Italian sounding name professor tells Vogue, it's something that came into being and something that as a result, just on a logical level, could disappear, could be overthrown, could be abolished, could be irrelevant. There's this myth of the free market, but Marx shows very clearly that capitalism emerged through a state of violence. Some examples of violence that aided in the establishment of capitalism in the United States include stealing the land of indigenous people and trafficking Africans through slavery. Contrary to socialism, yeah. which has always been peacefully <laughs> exactly. established. And then they, they kind of finish off the article saying, while you may not necessarily identify as a Marxist, socialist, or communist, you can still use Karl Marx's ideas to use history and class struggles to better understand how the current socio-political climate in America came to be. I like that. You don't necessarily have to be a communist. Oh, Thank you, Teen Vogue. I appreciate it. Um, so I'm not against uh, teenagers learning about who Karl Marx is. And I actually, I encourage everybody to read the Communist Manifesto. It's not very long and it is a huge part of history and politics. But um, I think telling kids that capitalism arose from violence and that violence and slavery are a result of capitalism, that's where I kind of have issue with the article. Um, and like you mentioned, where... Where are all the like the you know the the little stats or details about all the millions of people who died under communism? Like, are we not going to mention that? It's just such a weird piece to include in Teen Vogue. Yeah, that's the weirdest part. But but to me, that's what's disturbing about it, right? It's not just having to do with them being young girls, but young people as a whole are very impressionable. Yeah, and you're likely to read these kind of things, and, and or more likely to read these kind of things, and make it part of your identity. Like, oh, I, I'm now a communist. Well, that's the thing. Uh, like, you know? I mean, we're wondering why so many like young teens and college students are literal communists is because they they grow up reading crap like this. Of yeah. course they are. Uh, okay, next one. This is just a weird one. How to use sex magic to manifest your best, your best self. And when I read that headline, I didn't know where they were going with it. And then I read the article and I was still confused. All right, it starts, let's talk about sex, baby. Did you know that orgasms can help manifest desires and bring forth dreams? In magic... And by the way, this is all, this is not ironic. Like they're literally talking about magic. In magic, orgasms are considered to be the ultimate magical force. In fact, occultists believe that orgasms can help cleanse the body, produce magical power, and are a vital tool in manifesting desires. The alchemic process of creation is our birthright. Bruja artist and botanica owner Taylor Cardova says about sex magic. Through sacred sex, we find a particularly right portal for making our wildest dreams come true and drawing our heart's desire into our energetic field. Okay, so so this literal sex magic, like that's not me being glib. That's actually what they're calling it. Um, the rest of the article talks about things like casting spells with orgasms, hmm. charging your sex toys under the moon, and channeling your magical energy through masturbation. It's weird. But does sound a little bit strange. To it's me. really, really weird. And That's even worse than astrology. Yes, I would. Markedly worse. I would fact, say yeah. yes. This is worse it's, than. Star it's good science. for teens too. That, that's that's always the problem with these. You read yeah. these, you think that they're ridiculous, and then you remember. It's oh yeah. It's you can't for just teens. laugh anymore. Yeah. Like this is weird, no matter what age you are. Mm. But especially, like, why do you think that teens need to know about this? And you know, it's funny because, like, I remember in like the early two thousands, kind of when we were growing up. Um, like a lot of Christian sites and blogs, I think they sometimes took the, like the threat of the occult among the youth too far. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, I do know Christians who don't like to celebrate Halloween because they think it's like, um, oh, yeah. you know, uh, Satanist and we, we celebrated and all saints day a couple of times. Yeah. I mean, my, my old church had harvest fest instead mm. of Halloween. And I think that's like, I understand the mentality behind it, but I think that's a little bit far, but it's like, this is literal paganism and the occult. Like I, this seems almost like a satire or parody of what like Christian mothers fear their kids are reading about in Teen Vogue, but they literally are like you are promoting pagan sex rituals. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's the craziest thing. I, I don't understand what happened to Teen Vogue. It's not over yet. We have more, though. Uh there's this article here. This was really making the rounds on social media. Why sex work is real work. Apparently, people feel like you don't need to talk to, you know, 13-year-old girls about sex work. 
Mm. Uh, this article starts, what exactly is sex work? Not all sex workers engage in penetrative sex. Good to know, Teen Vogue. Though undeniably, this is a big part of sex work. Sex worker services between consenting adults may include companionship, intimacy, non-sexual role-playing, dancing, escorting, and stripping. These roles are often predetermined and all parties should be comfortable with them. Um, and, then, and then it continues, and this is what really gets me, the, the author of this piece writes, I find it interesting that as a medical doctor, I exchange payment in the form of money with people to provide them with advice and treatment for sex-related problems. Therapy for sexual performance, counseling, and therapy for relationship problems, and treatments of sexually transmitted infection. Isn't this basically sex work? I do not believe it is right or just that people who exchange sexual services for money are criminalized, and I am not, for what I do. Um, so, the debate over sex work is, like, a whole kind of thing to get into. I, myself, right. have a lot of feelings about it. I've been trying to write an article about it for literally weeks, and I... Oh, gosh, it's not going well. But regardless of how you feel about sex work, there's a debate to be had, I think, over when it should be explained to teens. That's the whole thing with this article. Because there is a place where people can say, there's a libertarian argument for sex yeah. work or something like and that. And that's fine. And I think right. that's actually a very valid and topical conversation to have. But it's again, and like the way that this article is written, say like, so what is sex work? Well, it can be this and it can be this. It really seems like you're aiming toward young readers right. right this is not the type of way you would write an article if it were if it were like 20 year olds reading it right it really does seem like it was targeted toward very young readers and i think no matter what age you are comparing sex work to being a doctor strange it is a little bit strange especially very the part strange. about stis i was like oh that's yeah is that really what you want to call <laughs> sex work yeah that's the least sexy thing i've heard yeah um but it's good that she's making that uh, i guess association for us but yeah the thing is like i i think that they're it's almost like they're trying to normalize sex work to young people they're like oh doctors help people sex workers help people your doctor sees you naked sex workers see you naked so really there's there's it's the same and you know, that whole idea, um, conflating sexual activities with non-sexual activities around children, um, that, that's a huge problem to me. That's how grooming starts, mm. right? Um, we mentioned the same kind of idea with our, our stream last week about the whole pride parade. Um, there is a big difference between being a doctor and being a sex worker. I mean, me, even if you're of the opinion that people should be allowed to be sex workers, there is still a very clear difference between the two and i think it's really important that unless you're not a very good doctor yeah oh goodness <laughs> if, if there's not a clear delineation i you should see another doctor um yeah the idea that like you're trying to convince teens like oh no it's the same that's dangerous we want young teens to have very clear boundaries of what is and what is not sexual so they know mm -hmm. what kind of behavior they should expect from the adults and people around them trying trying to conflate that that's not helping anyone and this this final one, um, again, with the political stuff, it's about migrant children being held in detention facilities are facing horrific conditions. Teen Vogue, when I was a kid, used to talk about like makeup and like braiding hair and oh, stuff. Oh, I don't remember what it talked about. Yeah, they've taken a bit of a different turn. All right, so this article starts off, the conditions faced by migrant children being held in immigration detention in the United States are under extreme scrutiny in the latest high-profile dissection of President Donald Trump's immigration policy. While straightforward reporting from journalists on conditions inside the facilities that some have called concentration camps has been limited, first-hand accounts from advocates, lawyers, and one doctor have been particularly alarming. The conditions within which they are held could be compared to torture facilities, Dr. Dolly Lucio Sevier, a Texas physician who toured the nation's largest Customs and Border Patrol holding facility, wrote in a medical declaration. So, they're... Like, not only are they kind of pushing, oh, yeah, by the way, concentration camps, that's what we're running at the border. Now they're also torture facilities. What do those look like? Like, wh where's this doctor been? What's, yeah. he, what's he basing this comparison off of, and you know? It's weird because I feel like they're trying to do this to um, really point out how awful these detention facilities are. All it does, in my opinion, is minimize what concentration camps were, right? It's like... Yeah. Absolutely. What made Nazis evil wasn't the fact that they um, tried to stop people coming into their country and detain some people before deporting them. No, no, they they conducted the mass extermination, murder, slaughter of millions of people. Yeah, in fact, they refused to let people go that wanted to. Exactly. You know, so. They wouldn't let you go. Right. 
I don't know why they're so keen to downplay. And they're denying what the all the Nazis nuances do. of all this stuff too, like like the fact that people bring children that aren't theirs over the border to try to get in, right? Yeah. So there's all kinds of arguments that they're just throwing out the window to just show this is an evil Hitler-esque operation going on, mm -hmm. and it's just damaging to everybody. I think. And I think that again, like I'm not necessarily saying that teens can't be involved in like kind of real world conversations this is the age when we can start kind of introducing issues to them but like doing it like this telling them that by the way your country is running concentration camps and torture facilities like uh, we wonder why like antifa is spreading among like teenagers it's because they think we're literally running concentration camps and torture facilities um so teen vogue you're garbage uh i i see since you know our last video you've continued to be garbage Thank I, you for the content, at yeah, least. Thank you for the clicks. I appreciate it. I predict no changes in your content going forward. So hopefully this is the start of a long relationship of many response videos. Oh, I suspect their business model isn't going to work out in the long run. Yeah. But. I mean, like, what kind of ads would they even be selling toward? I mean, aside from the sex toys, I guess. <laughs> Sponsorships. Who knows? Yeah. Um, that kind of brings us to our next story, though. So last week, we talked about the whole concentration camp debacle. Uh, AOC asserted that migrant detention facilities were literal concentration camps. And a lot of people, not just conservatives, frankly, uh, didn't like that. In fact, I think the Holocaust Museum released a statement saying, eh, are they? Is this the same, though? I don't know. Yeah, a bunch of Jewish communities, I think, were like, what's up yeah Sorry. this is not the same um so the media and progressives though rushed to her defense and it this week it looks like they're they're doubling down on this rhetoric of you know open borders or else you're hitler and you know i've i've called the progressive left pro open borders before and i've had people push back and say no the, come on you don't need to be hyperbolic they're not for open borders name one policy of border and immigration control that they would support I, I have yet to hear one thing that would kind of stem the flow of migrants that AOC is like, yeah, we should do that. Like, Let alone voter ID laws. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I'll, I'll stop calling them open borders when they start advocating for something else besides open borders. Okay, I feel like that's a pretty fair compromise. Um, so yeah, the, the latest update to this saga is AOC... Uh, well, it's actually a, a photographer who had worked with AOC released a bunch of photos... Um, Ivan Pierre Aguirre, I hope I'm saying that right, he released on his Twitter account saying, before AOC hit the national stage and was just a fairly unknown House candidate from NYC, she took time away from her campaign and came down to Tornillo, I'm not sure, to protest the tena oh, sorry, tent city housing migrant children. I made these previously unpublished photos a year ago today. Um, so apparently this was in El Paso. And so here we have some very dramatic posts of AOC like seemingly just bawling her eyes out. She's holding her hands in her face. Uh, when we actually see her face, though, it doesn't look like there's any tears running down her Also face. tells you a little bit of angered, but strong. Yeah, it's like she, her brow is furrowed as she has a kind of like thousand yard stare. With her bright red lipstick on. And yeah, like all white. crisp white outfit. Yeah, yeah here he, like she's bending over, holding her head. She can't believe it. And then like, yeah, this final one, she's looking at the the camera she, she she has an interesting face i will say that yeah. it's interesting um but yeah again look look at this photo i'm not seeing any tears here i'm sorry um oh it's all staged just the convenient photographer beside her she's going down to visit the border yeah you know, it's she's looking into the camera so that you feel some more emotion there yeah and know? that's the thing like these they i mean some people like they got a lot of legs but i it seems like a lot of the comments and tweets replying to it are pretty critical of them. Even from the left. Yeah, fact. even even from the left, because there's this is supposed to be kind of furthering the message of how heartbroken she is about the uh, travesties being done to the children. But it's like all of the photos are of you. Like yeah. essentially what you've done is you've posted a bunch of selfies, a bunch of reaction shots. I also really wanted to see what, what, what she's looking at. Well, Because uh, I suspect there's nothing there. Yeah, well. Because the, they would have taken angles. Yeah, Tim Poole, um, in his video, they kind of showed that like at the other side of the fence, there's just like a building and, you know, there's some like, I guess, like a border officer standing there. And that's why it's like, even in the photos, you see the other people in back of her, like they're just like on her phones. Like she's having a freak out. Everyone else is kind of like just hanging out. It's very, very strange. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, like, if you wanted to make a statement about the children, like, why would you post photos about yourself? It's like you're 
it's just really, really weird to me. It seems self-centered. Yeah, it seems more like self-promotion, frankly, than anything else. Um, And I'm not saying 100% their stage, but they just they don't strike me as genuine, is what I'll say. Um, Another photo that's circulating this week is much, much more serious. Yeah. And actually heartbreaking. Um, so, oh, by the way, view, viewer discretion, if you haven't seen it already. this you It's know, graphic. It is graphic. Um, so here we have uh, a drowned child, and I think it's her father together. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the Rio Grande. Correct. Yeah. Um, so this has been making the rounds on CNN, all the big news uh, news sites. And uh, like I, I do just want to say that, obviously, child and her father drowning awful and any loss of life is terrible like the the suffering that people are going through right now Mm. i'm trying to get across the border and i'm sure like these detention facilities aren't a fun time right so i don't want to downplay the tragedy that happened there and of course like people are upset about it people should be upset about it lost the life of a child yeah you should feel empathy for them definitely of course i don't know how you can look at that and not um What's happening now is that people are kind of using this photo as a symbol of the crisis at the border. Mm. Um, it, you kind this of brought is, this, this is, up. This is conservative people's fault yeah. know, for, for blocking them. I think that while it's good that we feel empathy, I also think that we're almost morbidly obligated to feel indignation as well. Mm-hmm. And not necessarily towards these people who risk their lives to come here, but for the people telling them to come here and risk their lives exactly. in the process yeah. against something that violates American law, right? So I, I think it's... Yes, we should feel empathy for them, definitely. It's a, it is seriously a tragic thing and heart-wrenching. But at the same time, we really have to say, this is actually your fault. Mm-hmm. Like, stop telling them to come. Yeah. They're coming because you told them to come. Um, and that's the thing, like, the beauty of a wall, I'm sorry to say, but it's, it's a passive structure that will prevent people to come. Because um, the thing with, like, Border Patrol people roving, because that's, you know... Some people have said, oh, I don't know how feasible a wall is. Why can't we just have more border patrol? Um, The thing with border patrol is like anytime you have that person to person conflict, there's always the possibility of escalation. Yep. Right. Um, You know, the border patrol, they're scared for their lives. Migrants are scared for their lives. There's going to be conflict and tension among the groups. Um, If there's a wall, it's a passive structure, right? The wall just standing there is not going to hurt anyone. It's just going to prevent crossings. Um, illegal crossings. You can, yeah, you can still cross crossings. legally, right? Exactly. You, you can always cross legally. That's the big thing. Um, yeah. So, I mean, people trying to use this photo, I'm not, like you said, I'm not saying we shouldn't be sad, but yeah. the thing with tragedies is that there are so many tragedies that happen all the time. I mean, people are robbed, raped, and killed by migrants. Can mm. we post the, those photos on CNN and advocate for border control, right? Because mm. there's no they, the angel moms, I think, is what they're called, mothers who've ch- whose children were killed by illegal immigrants. Um, you know, those people exist too. Is it only heartbreaking when bad things happen, like to foreigners? What's the the standard now for for appearing in, in the media? I, I don't get it. Well, I certainly think that we can't base national policy off of anecdotes, right? right. Well, no, we shouldn't. That's an absolute fast rule that we can apply, right? Yeah. Because it's ridiculous. I mean, this is, like I said, bad, but it's not something that's happening to thousands and thousands and thousands of people where they're all drowning in this river and that we have an obligation as a foreign nation. Yeah. I say we. Americans have an obligation as a foreign nation. Well, no, nation it affects us too. Like yeah. Canadians, we have, we call them irregular migrants and irregular crossings. And a lot, like what's happening now is that people are coming up through the states and they're coming up all the way through the northern border because mm-hmm. we, I think, are a little bit more generous to our migrants than Americans are. So the, no, this is absolutely, this isn't like an American problem. This is literally a problem that every single Western country right now is facing. So this is very much like an international discussion we have to have, which is like, all right, do we respect countries' borders? Mm -hmm. Or is it just like a free-for-all where anyone can go wherever they want? And one thing I took away from Lauren Southern's documentary, Borderless Mm 2, is that the idea that these people are sold that are coming to these countries, not all of them, some of them are legitimate refugees, right? But some of them are sold this idea that they're going to this kind of Western paradise, Europe or or America, where the land of the free, where anything is possible, right? And, and in reality, they get there and they don't have anything, and they're not just like given free resources, and they don't they live under a bridge, you yeah. know, and they they wish that they could actually go back to their homeland a lot of the time, right? Because it's like you you get here, you don't speak the language, yeah. Um, it's not like the jobs that are available. Maybe there's more than your home country, but you have to understand in Western countries, low skilled labor jobs are being phased out of the economy, right? I mean, no one has higher unemployment than people without a high school degree or education. So it's like, if it's already hard for Americans in that position to find a job, why are you inviting more people 
who are going to like just be competing for the already sparse amount of jobs that are, that are available for people with that skill set. It's just you're, you're not helping them. And it's funny because I took global development classes, right? Political science major, throw jokes, whatever. This is actually a thing that we learned, though. Global development classes. Uh, we talked about things like trying to reduce corruption, um, increase democratic norms, uh, talk about stimulating the economy. You know what was not uh, a major chapter that we learned about in global development? Literally relocating the entirety of the third world to the West. Right? Because that's not a development plan. That's not making their countries better uh, like at, at all. And um, it, it's just funny how that the conversation has been so skewed in the past, like, honestly, like three to five years. It's, it's, yeah, it's rapidly accelerating. It's rapidly accelerating. And actually, we have uh, Wayfair, which is a, a furniture company. We've actually ordered from them before. Our desk, which is over there uh, that we use in our other set, that's from Wayfair. It's mediocre, um, actually. But it's anyway, mediocre. Yeah. yeah, it's not the best. It's like I, they don't I don't think they produce. I think they just like ship because they have different mm, companies right. that they sell for. Anyway, Wayfair is a furniture company and they uh, some of the employees started this account called the Wayfair Walkout. Uh, the too long didn't read of what they're trying to do. These Wayfair employees is that, quote, Wayfair sold beds to furnish border camps. 547 employees signed a petition to ask that we cease all business with border camps. CEO said no. Employees are walking out tomorrow at 1.30 p.m. We ask that Wayfair donate all profits made from the sale to races. Yeah. Hashtag People Wayfair that discriminate against colored people, is that what it is? Or are black people, sorry? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, yeah, this is like, so you're upset about the border facilities, I'm guessing, not having good resources. So your answer is to not send them beds. Yeah, I mean, that, that's one of the things. I actually saw them address that directly on that account and saying it's a false dichotomy. What we don't want is them prof profiting off of these these migrant children. Um, they don't. It's not like they don't want them to have beds is what they were saying, I guess. But well, then, like, give them... So give them the beds. Yeah, that's the thing. They're not... They are stopping them from having the beds in yeah. some way. So, And actually, the CEO of that company recently announced that they'll be donating money to the Red Cross. Oh, that's, I think, like a something But then they were did. like, no, that's great, but... It's not what we wanted. We wanted people that were pro-immigration to get money. No. So um, they're very specific. Yeah. I'd be so angry if I was their CEO. I would fire them all. I would fire every single one of them. It's like, okay, fine. You can walk out, but I'm going to continue but doing business. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bring your stuff with you because you're gone. Um, and like, that's not, that's not firing someone based on political biases. That's firing someone because they've walked out on their job. Right. Right. That's different. They didn't support the CEO's yeah, you decision. Can, yeah. You can sign a Which I'm sure they're making very little profit off of, by the way, buying mass production of, of mattresses, probably at a very low margin in the first place. Yeah. So, I mean, if they're working with the government, they probably got like some mass contract thing. It is. It, it was yeah. 200 grand in mattresses. And uh, yeah, it's also mind boggling because it's not like the immigrants are paying for them. It's the mm -hmm. American government paying for them. Yeah. And... Like that, that's the thing, like these centers, these centers should not be controversial. So like what's happening here, the whole thing with these camps is that not only do some people get caught crossing illegally and in which case um, they don't just turn them around right away. They have like kind of hearings and stuff and they detain them. And sometimes they have kids, they separate them because they don't know if they're actually their parents so that you have to put these people somewhere. Um, but it's, it's not just people who are trying to cross illegally. They're also like, there are an increasing number of people trying to claim asylum. So what happens is by law, you can show up at any port of entry at the US and try to uh, claim asylum. Mm -hmm. um, what happens there is that you don't get to come in automatically. You have to kind of um, have your case heard out and everything, you have to be vetted. Um, so while you're waiting for that to happen, they have to put you somewhere. Um, so what, what what are we supposed to do in this situation is the thing. Um, you don't like the like the the facilities that are being there, all right. Um I, I I think that a lot of them should just be sent back immediately. I have a feeling a lot of people wouldn't like that. So would you say we just let them into the country right away? Okay, you can just come in. Like, do you want like better facilities for them? It's like if we're incentivizing everybody to come to our countries and we have to like house and feed and shelter them and mm -hmm. give them healthcare while we're waiting. Like what standard of living should they have as like as their case is being processed, right? Yeah. Because the way it's set up now, it's like anyone can show up and so at many your border have. and a lot of people have and you are obligated to take them in. Now you have to feed them, clothe them, everything. I think all these facilities are also working well over capacity. They exactly, need more money. Yes. And I think actually what was so ironic to me in all of this is that they're recently demanding, I think, or, or the government agency, I don't know if it's ICE specifically, but yeah. whoever runs all these, these border um, facilities 
was asking for a 4.5 billion increase in, in in funding to take care of these these uh, immigrants or migrants. Yeah, and Democrats be. don't want to give it to them. AOC uh, herself it, said not one dollar. Right, but I also noted that that's very close to the five billion that Trump was asking for a wall. Yeah, which would be a much more long term economic solution to that. Yeah, right. So, but and that's the thing. Like, yes, the wall needs to happen because mm. like you need to stop the illegal crossings but it's not just that like all western countries we need to examine how our asylum system is working because right now it's being exploited a lot of people who are coming here they're coming here legally under the asylum pretext but like if you ask me you just being from a country that is poorer than our country does not give you like is not what asylum was meant for mm-hmm. right it's like you know we have people coming up th- from south america and like the People like AOC are calling them refugees. Like, I feel like that word has lost a lot of its meaning. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I mean, if you are from like a persecuted minority group that is being targeted for extermination, like that to me, or like you're fleeing a literal war zone, that to me is like, all right, we can talk about asylum and refugees. If you're just from a a poorer country, no, that's like literally every country that's not a Western country is poorer. Do we just like, can all of them file for a refugee status and just come in. No, we need to talk about having some stricter guidelines. And those stricter guidelines will disincentivize a lot of people from showing up because as it is right now, people are like, yeah, I'll go. I, I can try to claim asylum. I'm from, you know, a, yep. a country that's not as good. Why not? And a lot of them And they uh, wouldn't get risk in. their lives getting here in the process and the lives exactly. of the loved ones. And actually that, that brings us to uh, another clip we have. Like, you know, the, the whole immigration de- debate has like rapidly shifted leftward. Um, and I know a lot of people will look at people like Trump and say, oh, you're an extremist, you're a fascist. He's really not. The concept of just enforcing borders is like the most milk toast concept of statehood, most basic thing ever. We have a clip of 2014 Obama um, where he's sounding a lot like what people would call nowadays, uh, I-, I believe, a fascist. Uh, we-, we can play that. We don't even know how many of these kids don't make it and may have been waylaid into sex trafficking or killed because they fell off a train. We have no way of tracking that. So that is our direct message to the families in Central America. Do not send your children to the borders. If they do make it, they'll get sent back. More importantly, they may may not make it. Yeah, so the message, don't try to come, you will be sent back. Sounds a lot like something Trump would say. And, you know, the people who are making a big deal over these Mm -hmm. camps and acting like Trump has really, um, I don't know, escalated things of migrant hatred, it's just not true. Um, These people who are advocating for open borders, they're the ones who have totally gone off the rails. And it's not just Obama. There's footage of people like Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer also talking about border. Now, I will say that maybe it would have been a little bit helpful if, if Trump was a little bit more tactful when he said these kind of things. You know, but you know what? I used to think that too, but they're going to hate him no matter what. I think that's 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 also right. Yeah, they're going to hate it, him. It makes no matter it really what. easy sometimes the way he sets it up. So yeah. I wish he was a little bit more bulletproof. You yeah. Know? So I mean, just practically speaking, I would love it if we could have just like a rational discussion when it comes to immigration without or people... a rational discussion with any of these topics. I yeah. think that we're we're in a different world right now, though. Yeah. Um. But especially immigration, because it's it's starting to get to be a little bit of a headache, and like these. These bleeding heart open borders advocates, the funny thing is like they're not really helping anybody. They're not improving these countries. I mean, right. it's it's so ironic. They were so mad when Trump called, I think it's like Haiti or something like a crap hole. They were like so mm-hmm. righteously indignant. But in their opinion, anyone from one of these countries should get refugee status because it's so awful. Like, really? Can't have it both ways. Um, so our final story, a little bit of a lighter note, has to do with Kim Kardashian. Oh, Kim K. Uh, so the Kardashians as a whole have gotten in trouble with cultural appropriation before. We've done videos about cultural appropriation in the past, and we almost always use a Kardashian reference in there, just because they, they've been they've gotten in trouble for cornrows, right? Do rags because they're white, right? Like they're not even I, like I don't know what they the are. The Kardashians, but like Kim Kardashian, and then like they're half Armenian. Okay, is that white? I don't know. <sighs> yes, yeah, we're in, we're into some who knows territory. whatever. Um, but it's like Kylie and Kendall; they're totally white. The the Jenner. I know too much about this family. I don't even watch the show. (laughs) They're just always talked about. Anyway, yeah, so it's like, you know, they've they've had photos taken in hijabs and just like wearing a suspicious amount of self-tanner. They've been accused of cultural appropriation before. Mm -hmm. Um, So the the new thing that's been blowing up on the Twitter sphere is that Kim K put out this tweet. 
And so she's releasing a new line of undergarments, all right? So she wrote, finally, I can share with you guys this project that I have been developing for the last year. I've been passionate about this for 15 years. Kimono is my take on shapewear and solutions for women that actually work. And then there are some photos she included and it's, it's like kind of like a line of undergarments, I guess. Just, it looks like maybe almost Spanx, like the those special underwear that kind of keep everything in. Yeah, they yeah. have like a bodysuit version, which I guess like if you're wearing a dress will keep everything smooth. One with like... I guess the leg cutout might be good for a slit dress. I don't know. Anyway, um, so I guess you can, judging by that tweet, understand where this conversation is going. Um, people are mad that she called it kimono. And if you watch our videos, you know that usually I think the term cultural appropriation is just like total BS, thrown around way too much. Um, in this particular case, I don't know if I would call it cultural appropriation, but I do understand why people are mad. Like, I do get it this time um, because this, like, this actually has nothing to do with kimonos, right? It's not a line right. of dresses. It's like a line of underwear. It kind of seems like she just chose it because it sound like it had Kim in it. Um, I, unfortunately. How smart do you think she is? I don't, well, Because do she's mean? getting so much free advertising from this. I really wonder if yeah, it's maybe this is maybe know, this is 40 chess. Because they, they're so successful. Like, they, they're, I well, don't know the, how many of them are billionaires. Like, the youngest billionaire, yeah, right? Yeah, the little one, Kylie Jenner. She's a billionaire. Right. Uh, off of makeup or whatever. Yeah, it is, I, think I don't know is. about but, the other ones. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're all tremendously rich, yeah. su successful and off of basically no marketable skills mm -hmm. is the other thing. Well, right? I mean, maybe so, this is a skill. Like we're all turning up our yes. noses at them. There may be like the mom, uh, was it Christian oh. or she's some sort of like marketing genius. Yeah. Apparently. For real. Um, Yeah. So I don't know how much of this thing is, is legitimate. I mean, obviously I was wondering if there were, more, I was looking at this and I was like, are there anything that resembles a kimono in here? And, no. and no, it's just, it's just like literally underwear. Yeah. Which I wonder, like, what do you think about the ethics of this stuff? Well, that's, that's why like I understand why people are mad. Like mm -hmm. she's, this doesn't have anything to do with a kimono. And I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I would call this cultural appropriation, but like as a comparison, um, like being from Quebec, I don't like it when Americans or either like just non-Quebecois Canadians um, mess up poutine, which is like our dish here. It's like French fries, cheese curds and gravy. Like that bothers me. Um, I don't like it when they call it poutine. Because yeah, that's, that's not how you wrong. say it. It's Putin. And like, I don't bad. like it if I see it and there's like the wrong type of gravy on it or the wrong type of cheese. Like that bothers me. I'm like, ah, oh, no, you're doing it wrong. So like, I get it. That, like she's calling something like a line of kimono and it's like not at all kimonos. It's just underwear. Right. Um, so I understand that. And what what makes matters worse is that she's actually, she's trying to trademark the, the yes, word kimono. That's pretty bad. So that's pretty bad, right? Um, we have some tweets of how people were reacting to it. Um, and I think these are actually like, these seem like reasonable critiques. This one person says, nice underwear, but as a Japanese woman who loves to wear our traditional dress, kimono, I find the name of your products baffling since it has no resemblance to kimono, if not out outright culturally offensive, especially if it's merely a wordplay on your name, please reconsider. Yeah, so it seems like she literally just said, hey, kimono, my name is Kim, I'm in this. Let's take it and try to trademark it. And this other woman says, naming your product slash startup with Japanese words might seem hip and all, but it really sucks for us when our culture is diluted by names of brands that don't have anything to do with the word they actually represent. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's just... Again, is this cultural appropriation? Actually, um, the whole trademark thing, the, the, the part that I usually have issue with cultural appropriation is that, uh, like... Just because you were to wear, for example, a kimono as a white person, you're not culturally appropriating it because you, you're not claiming ownership of it. You're just trying to participate in the culture. And I think that's fine. And if all Kim was doing was wearing a kimono, I think that'd be fine. But she's actually trying to trademark the word. So that kind of does have an ownership feel. Yeah, that is, that is, that that is the only part where In I'm that like, you okay. applied for ownership. The rest of this, I, I, I don't really care that much about. But... But it's like, yeah, it's I interesting mean, kind of drama, I guess. Yeah, but, but it's the like, trademarking why, why is like, call wow. It, why call it a kimono? Like, why yeah. call it kimono? Uh, it's, pro it's probably as simple as it sounds like her name. That's, yeah, that I mean, is the, what it but is. that's what I was going to say. Right. I have the one Kardashian project that I do have. It's not because they put it out, I just liked it. I have a perfume that smells like peach, and it's actually by Kim Kardashian, and it's called the Kimoji perfume because it's like a peach emoji. Peach, like a butt. Yeah. yeah. And then like Kim emoji. Mm hmm. So it's like she, you know, she clearly likes doing that with her name. There are other words she could have done it with. Um, I don't know how in 2019 you would think this would be okay. 
yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm. It's not like I can say I'm gonna boycott her over this because, like, I'm not a fan of her. But I also, it's like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like she's not doing this to be racially insensitive. She probably just didn't think about it. Or she did, like I said, or she, or there's like some five D chess being played right here. Yeah, and, maybe and everyone is just we're outraged marketing for her right the now. Kardashians. I, I, I seriously do believe that to some degree. I'm not joking. Like. They're super sick. We're always talking about Kardashians for some reason. We have this cultural addiction to this family who has nothing to provide to us. They're good you at know? makeup, though. Well, I don't know. Do you buy the products? I have no idea if they're good at makeup or if we just buy them because they say Kardashian on them. Oh, no, I don't buy their makeup. But it's like I can understand why people follow them on Instagram. But it's like it's weird how they've become cultural like movers. Yeah. Just based on because I'm not going to deny that they're beautiful, but it's like just because you're beautiful does that mean we have well, how to, like, much of that watch? is synthetic as well though it's, yeah, it's a really true. it's a big debate yeah know, i but. don't know it's like because I, I i don't want to just jump on the hating the kardashians because it's trendy but also i think it's fair to question what what they're providing society um but i think that's it for the show tonight thank you guys so much for tuning in and if you're watching live then be sure to stay on the stream because we're going to be going through the super chats and ask sorry answering any questions that you guys have and aside from that we will see you guys actually no wait i have an announcement that i totally forgot about um <laughs> we are leaving that's true tomorrow on vacation there will be no live show tomorrow but fear ye Next not week. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Next week. Fear ye not. We have been pre-recording, working hard to make sure you guys have content while we're gone. So next week, there's no live show, but we will have a special interview with a very special guest uh, who, considering the issue of Internet censorship, will be very topical. So be sure to tune in from that. And aside from that, like I think the only video we're going to miss is uh, Monday, July 1st. For July Canada 1st, Canada Day. Woohoo. Yeah. Um, yeah, aside from that, though, I don't think I have anything else to say, so we'll see you guys next time. Bye.